Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Armor on the Air, the podcast where we examine microbiology and health through a societal lens. Tis the season for spooky things, jolly things, thankful things, and the flu. But before we start talking about the flu, Caroline, I have recently learned about a piece of your Danish culture, and I would just, I want to share that with our listeners. But I also need to, like, consult a real, a real Dane about it, because it's, okay. um... Do you, did you glance at the script? Do you know what I'm about to ask you? I did, and I'm a little bit confused, but also I definitely know what you're talking about. Well, I spelled it, I, I had to spell the Danish word phonetically so that I could pronounce yeah. it properly. But I learned about the concept of, tell me how I do on my pronunciation, of a pjørsbin or a pjørmer, <laughs> um, which translates to pepper pepper maiden or pepper like the masculine yeah pepper dude version of maiden um, yeah um yeah, pepper you're a little guy. bit wrong it's just it's it's called pewamur or pewasvim so oh, okay. it's close to pepper okay gotcha yeah. um, so what i know about this is that if you're not married by 30 your friends assault you with pepper like they tie you to a tree they tie you to a pole and they just dump a ton of pepper on you. And people thought this was so fun. They didn't want to wait until 30 to do it. So they have a cinnamon equivalent that they do at 25, right? That coined yep. a term, but like cinnamon maiden, right? Um, and so it leaves these like disgusting bloody stains like on street corners where all of the cinnamon is just like caked onto the ground and like, apparently, like, how much cinnamon or pepper you get is entirely dependent on the morality of your friends and yep. whether or not they want to, like, ruin you with mm -hmm. the spice cabinet or if they're like, here's a little cinnamon as a joke. Tell me more! So, you are very, very on point, Dana. Uh, so, it's correct. When you turn 25, that's cinnamon if you're unmarried, um, which most people are in Denmark. So, uh, yeah, you will uh, turn 25 and then you'll go around being a bit scared all day and then all of a sudden your friends will, will like, shower you with cinnamon. Uh, and it's not, I mean, at least in my group of friends, we don't really do it um, that much, at least. Um, but out in the countryside, some places, I've seen videos of people like that is where they tie you down and just like shower you in cinnamon. If people um, get quite creative and, with it, they'll bring out, like, leaf yeah. blowers and just, like... Yeah, yeah, the, the more uh, debug friends you have, the, the better. Yeah. Oh, like, it's, it's, a, it's an affectionist thing. It's kind of like, do you, guys, uh, do you guys hit each other in the neck when you get a haircut? What? Oh, okay, never mind. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, I don't know... It's kind of like pinching someone if they don't wear green on uh, St. Patrick's Day. That's right, right? That's an American thing, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's like yeah. it's a thing. It's like an affectionate, affectionist thing. Um, uh, one thing I've learned is, uh, fun fact, <laughs> cinnamon is extremely flammable. Yes, um, I learned that. I learned that as well, yep. that like no cigarettes are allowed at this ritual. Nope, I've seen videos where it went wrong because it'll just like 
like flames so it's kind of like yeah yeah because cinnamon is all fine and it's like an organic compound so it's like by being organic flammable and then the more surface area to small particle you have the more flammable yeah um, kind of like sawdust but very very fine sawdust so keep away mm-hmm. <laughs> yes that happens and yes uh, then when you turn 30 that would be pepper uh, and uh, i got married two weeks after i turned 30 but mm-hmm. i have actually escaped both of these and okay. I'm so so on my twenty fifth birthday there was this um uh, we have this different clubs at my university and I mm-hmm. there was like a sing sing club singers club that mm-hmm. night but I stayed home and like celebrated with my family in my small um small uh, uh, room uh, in uh-huh. my uh, what do you call it uh, where I live your apartment yeah yeah kind of um. Uh, so I didn't come, and they were the next day, they were like, We all brought cinnamon, you douchebag, why didn't you show up? And I was like, <laughs> Dutch did. But yeah, it's all fun again. But uh, mostly it's bad in the countryside. Also in the countryside, when you're 230, especially. Um, so I think the pepper thing, as you said, is more um, prevalent. Um, mm-hmm. So sometimes they will make giant pepper um, um, uh, shakers, like out of like oil barrels and stuff and like paint them and stuff and then they'll write people's name on it and just like bring a tractor and just place them at their house and you can't poop it because it's so heavy (laughs) oh god Uh, that sounds terrifying that sounds absolutely so wait did you ever partake in in coating someone with cinnamon or pepper oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. what (laughs) it's it's fun man it's fun And I mean, I haven't got to the extent of leaf blowers and, and like bags of, but only like the small one you get to like make cinnamon. Right, well, but you're you're like from that. you're from the city though, so you're I not. Am. Yeah, it's not it's yeah. not like countryside brutality. It's not, exactly, where it's just survival of the fittest. Yeah, how did you learn about this then, Dana? TikTok. I um yeah, oh. there was this uh this random random TikTok that ended up on my for you page, uh, and there was this Danish girl who was like. Have you ever seen this horrific stain walking around Copenhagen? I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> I'm like, that is bizarro. And I really wanted to know if this was like something that's really well or like really embraced in Denmark, um, which is why I asked you. And if it's not like just some random like, yeah, this happens occasionally, but well, like it's out of style now or something. This isn't an old thing. I'm pretty sure my parents did it with their friends too. It's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's a bit more fun with cinnamon. Do you have any idea where it started? No idea at all. Just being, just like being douchebag to people who who don't have a a, a serious partner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, ha ha, you're not married by thirty. <laughs> it seems like just yeah. an excuse to like mess with your friends, though. And who doesn't like one of those? Who doesn't like messing with your friends? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you for serving as a token Danish representative for me. Um, you are so welcome. If you have any other questions, please send them my way. Well, in exchange, yeah, I'll give you, like, the American tradition of going into Spirit Halloween, even if you're not going to buy something. Like, you gotta Thank go. You. Yes. It's fun. And then you can, like, you can try on masks and hats and, like, play with the animatronic uh, decorations that, like... I saw I saw another video of, of like, an animatronic decoration at a... Um, at a spirit Halloween store, and it had one of those little buttons in front of it that was like, step on me and I'll move or something. And this little kid was just like stomping on it, and the animatronic thing was like, gook, right? And like, gook, and like, had yeah. knives and shit, was like, stabbing or whatever. 
Um, but it turns out it was just a guy who was dressed up as an animatronic thing. And so the kid steps on it again and it like steps off the platform and starts chasing him. And I've never seen like such terror in someone's eyes before. That's so basic. Have you seen the viral thread of uh, people dressing up as, uh, what's his name? Mike, Michael Myers? Or something? Yeah, Mike. yeah, yeah. Uh, the, yeah, yeah. And seen the one with the little kid who chooses peace instead of fight or flight. No. So there's this little kid who's surprised, and he just freezes, and then he just hugs. Oh, that's actually adorable. That's super cute. Have you seen that movie? No. It's intense. I didn't think it was going to be that intense, because I'm like, oh, old horror movies? Like, yeah, Yeah. buckets of fake blood. Like, not that scary. It's actually pretty scary. Like, the acting is terrible everywhere outside of the horror scenes, but... um. It's actually kind of a terrifying movie. Because it's not like ghosts. It's like serial killers, which is, you know, way more realistic and way more intense. But anyway. No, last thing. Yes. (laughs) Okay, that reminds me. Uh, So I have been making a costume for my dog, a spider costume. And then I added to it with like a spider's head with like googly eyes and stuff. (laughs) And in order to make the head like stick and be like, like sharp, I went to the thrift store and got like a cap. Uh, and then I cut off the shade to, like, like stick it to it. And uh-huh. then the cap was, like, from, like, Purdue Farmer. And I was like, hmm, I could also just go as some real scary shit, like the opioid crisis. <laughs> but no, I didn't. That is so funny. <laughs> like, I genuinely scary things. I saw a professor on Twitter who dressed up for Halloween as the second reviewer on a peer-reviewed paper. The second reviewer is always, like, the most... And so it was just him, like, in a suit, wearing, like, a printed piece of paper taped to his shirt, and, like, the comments were just like, this looks like it was written by an undergrad, or, like, you really need to cite the relevant, like, the relevant literature in this field, and it's, like, 15 papers all written by reviewer, too. Yeah, of course. Classic. Of course. Of course. But enough about scary things uh, yes. and terrifying Danish traditions. Today that we're talking the about the What's that? Yeah, that was the first 10 minutes. It's a good intro. It's a good intro. Now people are like, this is friendly banter now. But we're going to talk about the flu, which is short for, what's the full name for flu, Caroline? Influenza? Influenza. Do you know where that word came from? No, I don't. So the etymology of influenza uh, is actually, it's rooted in Italian. It came from the Italian word, I'm going to do my best Italian accent here, influentia, which uh, translates to influence. Um... In English, and and this this is because in medieval times, it it was like super, like crazy wicked to see everyone get sick at the exact same time. Like so many people getting sick with the exact same thing at the exact same time. And so people mm. were like, before we like understood the concept of contagion, people were like, obviously the stars are to blame. Like what else are we all experiencing simultaneously? Right, that could make us all feel this way. And so. Since it was believed that this sickness was caused by the ethereal influence of the sun, moon, planets, and stars, um, we they they were just like, ah, you've caught the influence of the cosmos. Yet get a poor you, Margaret. <laughs> I can't. I need better like medieval names. It's a good medieval name, Chaucer. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Isn't it like Maria or something? Yeah, something like Isn't that. Isn't that like super old? Super old, uh, yeah, or like um, Morgan, I think, is a super old medieval name. I think that's where stuff like that comes from, right? 
the like King yeah. Arthur mythology, like Morgan Le Fay, and I don't remember I mean, what like, the other names were. Margaret is a good name. That's Margaret. Name I feel that. like Margaret is newer. Eighteen hundreds or something. I don't know. It doesn't matter. The point is, all of them, regardless of what their medieval sounding names were, they were all getting sick. Um, do what? Have you had the flu, Caroline? Yes. Have you ever Actually, met anyone who didn't have the flu? I know that my uh, my sister's boyfriend, he like seriously never gets sick. It is like, like it's like also you know because often when childs are young and like. I'm like school and stuff and they're small and like oh and like if they're kindergarten and something no he literally like never gets sick also she had covid and he didn't and like that was in right in the beginning he didn't get covid dang he's got some super genes I guess yeah that's like but that's the one out of everyone yeah super unlikely yeah and he could just I mean it could be a healthy adult but I can't imagine a child that never gets sick Mm -hmm. It's like he does not remember being sick in school ever. Wow. I know, it's what super a weird. Anyways, but yeah, fate, like, that's like the except, exception to the rule. Yeah, it's pretty common. Like, everyone has, almost everyone has experienced a flu of and, some kind. Yeah, exactly. Also because it mutates. Yeah. So, I mean. It does, exactly. So even if you develop immunity one year, like, you could catch the flu the next year or two years from now, right? What are the symptoms of the flu? When you well, had it, tell me about your experience. Well, fever, cough, uh, aches and like joints, mm-hmm. um, fatigue and general tiredness or tightness, fatigue, same thing. Um, tightness of what? No, no, uh, fatigue and tiredness. Tiredness. I thought you said tightness uh, of the cheeks. I'm like, what kind of flu did you catch? What the frick? <laughs> uh, no, sore throat. You know, all the classic ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the symptoms are kind uh, of nonspecific. Uh, runny nose. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, you 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 nailed all of them. That's that's basically basically what you get when you're dealing with. Oh, you're doing a little dance. That's a victory <laughs> dance for getting the symptoms right. Um, but the reason why these are very non-specific symptoms is because these none of these symptoms are caused by the virus itself. This is not the virus like oh ho ho ho. I'm going to mess with your core body temperature. I'm gonna make you sleepy. You know that's not. <laughs> That's not the virus's MO. But what is in fact happening is that once the virus enters your system, your your lovely immune system, who we must be so grateful for, for everything it does and keeping us healthy, it notices that there is an intruder. And so a quick recap of the immune system, you technically have two branches of your immune system. You have your innate immune system, which is going to respond no matter what. <laughs> Just does its thing. It does its thing. And then the adaptive immune system, which takes a couple of weeks before it can ramp up a full response. So your innate immune system is what typically causes these like achy feelings and the tiredness and the fever. And the reason it does this, it does so through chemical signaling throughout your body. And there's, we don't know this a hundred percent, but we're pretty, pretty sure that the reason it like bumps up your body temperature is because that puts a lot of pressure on viruses, right? So viral proteins are pretty delicate and so the increase in temperature is going to like make them uncomfortable it's not it it, it, most bacteria and viruses are designed to really really thrive at your body's 37 degrees celsius right 98.6 if you go above that even by a couple degrees it's not going to kill the virus right away but it is going to make it just a teeny bit more stressed which can sometimes help in in killing it right Mm. um 
The other piece of it is your body wants you to be tired because it needs you to conserve energy for actually dealing with uh, with ramping up the immune response to whatever has infected you. So it really doesn't want you like at the gym or like, you know, mm-hmm. doing a bunch of work, right? It doesn't feel good. So your body is going using to parties. Signaling. Going to parties, right? Like your body's like, hey, man, they're like, maybe don't do that. Maybe go lay down for a little while. We'll we'll take care of this. You, do, you will do your thing later. Um, and so the innate immune system is essentially just trying to like hold down the fort, keep this infection under control long enough for your adaptive immune system to develop a very targeted, robust, intense response. So the innate immune response is good. It's not super specific. It, it, it'll attack anything pretty much the same way. And that's not the most efficient, right? So instead, what it's going to do is it's going to wait for the adaptive immune system to start gathering data about what it is that's infecting you. And the body does this by grabbing bits and pieces of the virus that you've killed and carrying it up to your lymph nodes. So your lymph nodes in your neck, typically, because this is a respiratory infection. So it'll carry information about whatever is making you sick into your lymph nodes. And in there, you have a bunch of cells that are gathering data and they're developing what are called antibodies and basically scrambling their DNA and seeing if something fits and then scrambling their DNA again and then seeing if something fits. When they find a match with that sample of virus, they're like, ho ho, we have a winner. Let's replicate you massively, right? So it's gonna, it's gonna identify that one cell that had rearranged its, its little sequence such that it binds like a lock and key to that virus. And it just blows up that population. So this is actually the reason why your lymph nodes swell when you are sick, because that is your adaptive immune response growing a ton of cells inside of your lymph nodes, then exporting them throughout the body so that it can seek and identify these viruses. Um, And essentially what it does is there's sort of two facets to this. It'll have some cells that bind and just kill it right away, but then it'll have other cells that spit out little flags that bind only to the virus. And these are like tagged for destruction. So then when your other immune cells come to that area, they'll just kill and devour anything that's marked for destruction. Um, and so that's why it typically takes you like two weeks before you're fully healed. Um, but your body will hold down, hold down the fort for those like first maybe five to seven days while the adaptive immune response is, is collecting data. Um, and so once you actually start producing those antibodies, you start to feel better. It's pretty rapid healing after those antibodies are produced. And then you have those antibodies for a while problem is the virus mutates very quickly so the antibodies that worked last year are not necessarily going to work this year Mm -hmm. yes Yes. dana you nailed it thank you do you want to hear a funny story about the flu absolutely okay just remember i was like 18 and 19 okay so um i was in high school and um we had this party at my high school but it was only for like some of the students who were like in the musical uh, but we basically had the entire high school to ourselves in the weekend at night. And there was this guy I really liked. And I was sick. I had the flu and I really wanted to go because I knew he would be there. And he was. And um, <laughs> and then we ended up... Um, we, we did not uh, 
do the devil's tango, but we ended up sleeping together in a bed in the in the um, in the high school. Uh, there's this room thing, and um, it was not isolated well. It was super cold, <laughs> but I had the flu, so I was super warm because I was like, so I think that's why we survived that night. Oh my gosh! Did he get the flu? No, he didn't. He was fine. It's all good. It's all wow. good. Plus, I was like a little oven that day. Maybe he got vaccinated. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. This was like a lot of years ago. So um, Yeah, I get vaccinated know, like... so that you can yeah. you can slumber next to pretty maidens in high school. He became my boyfriend flu. later. Everything worked out. It was all good. It was so sweet. Yeah. That's so Anyways. cute. So flu. Bad. But not always well, that actually, bad. <laughs> this is a good segue into uh, how how the how do you think the flu is is passed on from one person to another? Well, probably like through coughs and spit and stuff like that, like the air, because it's as you mentioned earlier, uh, the flu is like a respiratory disease, and mm-hmm. that's that's how we do that. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, he was very. Uh, what do you say? He was very likely to get the flu, but he didn't. Yeah, I'm shocked that he didn't. But, like, technically the numbers are only, like, 11 or so percent of the population actually gets the flu. Yeah. Yeah, and it varies. Plus, like, I mean, like, young and strong. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, just because you are exposed to a, a, a microbe does not mean that you're going to get sick. Like, the truth is that your body is is dealing with microbes constantly that's the innate immune system operating 24 7 like constant 365 days a year it's constantly working right the issue is there's small it's really quite rare to get sick like if you think statistically Mm -hmm. about how many times you are exposed to an illness the amount of times that you actually get sick out of those is really really small right and so this really speaks to like how efficient your immune system is at, at keeping you healthy right just because you've gotten sick like a couple of times throughout a year does not necessarily mean that your immune system sucks or that you get sick a lot, right? And so then if you combine, you know, your 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 two approaches of like staying healthy, which is like your immune system keeping you healthy, and then the things that you can do like washing your hands and 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 cleaning surfaces if you're exposed to other people who are sick, um, all of these things will then like contribute to you overall being healthier and like mitigating the chances that you will actually get sick. So like, it could have just been a case where he, his body handled it. Like maybe he did carry the virus for a couple days, but his body was like, we got this. Maybe, maybe he had already been a bit sick at that point with the same flu. Who knows? It's possible. It's possible. Maybe you got it from him in the first place. Could be. <laughs> like a week prior or Definitely something. be. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. Anything can happen. Yes. But, yes, you're right. Um, the virus will hijack uh, hijack little droplets uh, that are, are projectiled out of your mouth when you cough or sneeze or even just talk. Um, which is why, like, wearing a mask helps because it catches those droplets before they actually, uh, you know, carry these, these, um, these vagabond hitchhiking virus particles uh, out into the world, but this isn't really like, so, so the difference between like the COVID virus and the flu virus is like 
the flu virus can actually survive for quite a long time on surfaces, like relatively speaking, compared to things like bacteria. Bacteria really, really like their temperature control. They're very picky about the temperature in their spaces. So they're not going to survive too well on like a room temperature surface, right? In general, depends on in the In general, it depends. Course. If it's a soil bacterium, yes. But a lot of soil bacterium can't make you sick because they don't like being at 37 degrees Celsius. They like colder temperatures. So bacteria Hanging are pretty specific. The they hang out in the soil, right? But then there's like things that like tetanus that will sporulate in the soil, but they do really prefer being at 37 degrees Celsius. But this isn't, this isn't one of those cases. Like viral particles, given that they don't actually have to maintain their own metabolism because they're not technically living, right? They take advantage of whatever cellular machinery you have in your host cells in order for them to replicate. Viruses can survive for a good deal longer. So the flu virus can survive on surfaces uh, that are like smooth and non-porous. So things like stainless steel and glass and plastic, right? So even like simulated wood surfaces that you see like on tables, like cheaper tables, they're like cork board in the center and then they'll just like lay this plastic sheet over that makes it look like it's cut from a tree, but it wasn't. Um, you, you can tell because it's like the same pattern repeating on every single, it's like, hey, that, that knot hole in the wood is identical Very on every single table. Tree. Yeah, so it'll survive, the, vi the flu virus will survive for about 48-ish hours on a surface like that. So during flu season, you really want to be like wiping down surfaces that you're using every day, um, and especially surfaces that are shared amongst people. So if you go to school, maybe wipe down your desk before you use it and like put your hands on it and then touch your little face. Um, but then on things that are like, you know, softer, so things like clothes and linens and tissues and stuff like that the virus will survive for about 12 hours on something like that and this is actually a teeny bit longer in terms of viruses as well and so this has to do with why we have a flu season and not just like a yearly flu strain so like why why is the flu season like constrained to this time of year for like that november december january time it comes for the spooky season. It comes for the spooky season. It's terrifying. Yeah, it's yeah. because of the the heat. Also, that's why yeah. the the other half of the Earth have like the opposite flu season, and you actually exactly. lose that yeah, when you try to, to do, predict the flu temperature vaccination. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so the 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 virus has this little. It's it's like coated in like a little gel. It's got this little like protein protein gel, and this gel protects it from the cold and it's, it's like wearing a heavy jacket right like you could have your heavy jacket on any time but if you have that heavy jacket on and it's like 80 degrees outside you're gonna have a heat stroke like take your jacket off right and so heat actually degrades this gel coating so if the virus is hanging out in the summer on a surface and it's pretty warm it will actually like degrade this coating and then the virus dies like the virus has no way of protecting itself. But when it's cold and dry, the way that it is this time of year, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, that virus uh, will actually like protect itself from the cold. And of course it can't get like super, super, super cold, but it can survive long enough for it to like be comfortable until it's picked up by a host. And then once it's in the host, your body temperature then degrades that same gel coated membrane, but now it has a body that it can replicate in. And so that, 
is how it passes from person to person. That's why we have flu season at specific times of the year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so even though it can, the virus can survive on surfaces like for a pretty significant amount of time, that's not actually the most common way that people get sick. It's, it's a little bit more rare to pick up the virus from touching a contaminated surface um, and then like bringing that to your face or, or mouth. Um, it's actually pretty vile the way that the virus does actually enter your body. I don't think you, people realize like how much we spit while we talk. Like we are constantly <laughs> spraying microscopic droplets that are impervious to the human eye, right? Like we cannot, we cannot detect these, these particles at all, but, but they're there, mm. they're there. And I would like to just inform you, if you were having a conversation with someone, you're standing like two feet apart, you are 100% swallowing that person's saliva. It is going into your eyes and your nose and your mouth. It is absolutely vile. Like I, ugh, why do you, you put have, these pictures in my head, Dana? Why do you hurt me with the truth like this? I mean, isn't it better than Google Images? Yes, definitely. Oh, could God. be oh. worse. Stop. Stop. <laughs> I will not. So yeah, the more the more common way for people to catch the flu is someone someone tells you a thing, and you swallow their saliva it's in your mouth you inhale it like inhale that's even it. worse like yeah. just like you aspirate people's gunk I'll all the time talk to anyone again this makes me never want to talk to anyone ever again <laughs> but yeah like imagine like since we've all been wearing masks uh as a result of the pandemic like this has been happening significantly less which is yeah I really hope that masks because become more common. I hope so too. It seems clean. Right? Right? Yeah. Honestly. But it's important to note, you do not have to show symptoms in order to pass the virus on to someone else. And that is like a really big reason why it's really important to get vaccinated. Because suppose that you have a friend, a parent, anyone. Suppose you interact with someone who's immunocompromised. Their body does not have as robust an innate immune response as someone with a healthy immune system would. And this means that what we were talking about earlier, where you're like constantly exposed to microbes, their immune system is not as good at identifying and clearing out those pathogens before they actually settle in and cause like a big significant infection. So you get sick more often, right? If your immune system is not operating at maximum efficiency all the time, you're going to get sick more often. And usually that's what happens with healthy people. Like usually you get sick when you're sleep deprived or stressed or you're not eating nutritious food. Like anything that makes your body think that it's in a stressful state, it's going to take energy away from things like your innate immune response and shift it into reserves for a potential fight or flight response because it literally thinks that you're about to run from a tiger and then wants to make sure that you have the energy to do that. It doesn't consider like... Your lizard brain that is controlling all of this does not know the difference between stress for a math exam versus stress. Are we talking from... about your lizard brain now, Dana? My lizard brain, yes. I, I'm very familiar. It takes one to really understand the intricacies of the lizard brain. So I speak from experience when I say that my lizard brain and your <laughs> lizard brain. We all have a lizard brain. We all have a lizard brain. It's the one that controls your heart rate and like it's the back of your head, right? So the what enables you to see and like these like key body like instinct lives there too, right? Of like 
It's like the basic bitch of your brain. That's the, it's the basic bitch of your brain. It, it's like a black box control center where it does not yeah. like nuance and critical thinking does not exist in the lizard brain. That is in the monkey brain and they do not communicate well. <laughs> so the important thing is like, you need to stay calm. You need to stay like stress-free, self-care, literally for your health because otherwise your lizard brain is gonna redirect resources anytime you're stressed into preparing you from running from a tiger. And no matter how many times monkey brain tells lizard brain, there is no tiger, we are not in the savanna, your lizard brain will still be, but just in case. Just, I'm just no. gonna, just, in, and it's like, no, it's much more pressing that we avoid these microbes that are gonna make us sick. And, and lizard brain is like, no, no. We are no. redirecting resources. And ultimately that's like how you get sick. But back to, to yeah. the immunocompromised aspect of this. Yeah, and, especially in this day and age. I mean, so many people yeah. have COVID and they are already like not doing too well with their lungs. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, like we need- An influenza could kill them. It could. I mean, it kill everyone, basically, like in principle. It is, but. it is, it is like a, a quote unquote lethal disease, right? And and, and the biggest concern with, with illnesses like this, because the virus, again, like it's not doing anything to you to make you sick. Like it's not all about you, Stephanie. The virus is not trying to make you ill. The virus is just trying to reproduce. It's just, it's just trying to, it just wants, it wants, wants to, to get it on. on yeah like the 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 cos cosmic meaning of life is keep keep being alive in whatever nuanced sense passing your genes on makes that be a thing right it's not it's not in your body maliciously like i'm gonna ruin this and make this guy miss a week of work <laughs> like that's not where i'm gonna like interfere with caroline's courting of her danish lad in high school like the virus is not maliciously it making worked. these decisions. It <laughs> Instead, it's just your immune system noticing that something is in your body that does not belong there and trying to get rid of it, right? And it's all it all comes down to just like resource preservation. Like you don't want someone mooching off of your stuff. You don't want someone mooching off of all of those sugars that you worked so hard to produce <laughs> break down, right? Like friggin' rude. So it, 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 it tries to target this virus. And ultimately the thing that makes you sick is the immune response. But if you have a weakened immune system and the immune response is not working and it's churning on and on and on and not resolving the infection, you get what's called chronic inflammation. And part of this inflammation is causing mild tissue damage so that your body can get resources to the nooks and crannies of like all of the weird parts of wherever the infection lies. And if you're causing constant tissue damage for a really, 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 really long time, that is what ends up causing organ failure. Like you get a bunch of scar tissue in your lungs, for example, and then you can't breathe anymore and it impedes the diffusion of oxygen across that, that skin membrane. And so what you end up seeing is just someone who like their own immune system killed them because it couldn't, it couldn't deal with, it couldn't resolve the infection. So if you are able to be vaccinated and like go get your vaccine, right? D do it. It's a milder version of the virus, but it enables your body to develop those antibodies. And those antibodies are then going to respond much more quickly. Basically, the moment that that virus appears in your system, you have little like sentinel cells that are per like marching through your body and making sure that if they run into that virus, it will be tagged for destruction immediately. And this is really, really quick once you're immune. 
And so that means that if you go interact with someone who is immunocompromised, you are far less likely to pass on that virus because it's not rapidly dividing inside of your own body. Mm. So you can actually get someone sick um, up to like one entire day before you show any symptoms whatsoever. It's important, right? Because then you don't know that you're sick. Yeah. And then you can also still get people sick like... The plague with like the four, oh, at yeah. least it not, it's not the plague with like the 40 days quarantine and stuff. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's, I mean, you can still get people sick before. Yeah. So uh, get vaccinated. Do it for your get grandma. Get vaccinated. Do it for your do grandma. Do it for Nana. Do it for Nana. Do it for the vine. I don't know. Just do it. Do it for the vine. Do it for any any random person who's, who's risking their life to take the bus and sit next to you. Yeah. Like community health is important, y'all. Like this isn't, this isn't a, personal decision anymore you have to factor in the experiences of the people around you and and you have to consider those as you move forward if there is a hole in a boat and we are all sitting in the same boat we are not going to not sink just because the hole in the boat is on your side like the whole boat's going down right it doesn't matter where where the leak is so Mm. get vaccinated Please, 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 please get vaccinated. And so this vaccine, actually, I want to talk about this because I love, we have a vaccine episode. So if you're curious about more vaccination techniques and and ways of developing vaccines, listen to our smallpox episode. We use smallpox to talk about vaccinations. It's one of my favorite episodes, actually, when people are like, oh, we have a podcast. I'm like, listen to this one. (laughs) You can listen to the, the, what are those called? The milkmaids. Listen to the jeans one. The one from last week. Chaos. (laughs) Chaos. Um, so the flu vaccine is made using eggs. They use eggs. Yeah. So the vaccine is not vegan. I'm sorry to inform you. I mean, being vegan is about limiting as much as possible. That's right. And I think we can all agree that in this case, it's okay, guys. It's okay. It's okay. This is a moment where, yeah, like the community health is is really important here. So what happens is the virus is grown in fertilized chicken eggs, right? And you grow it there for like three or so days, right? Have that virus replicate a bunch. Um, And then you kill the virus. You extract the fluid from the egg and you kill the virus. But you leave the virus corpses. You leave the virus's corpse in that fluid, right? So the virus is dead, super dead. There's literally no way that it can, that it can actually make you sick at this point. It's dead, dead, but its corpses are floating around. So you purify it. So you get this really concentrated virus corpse bath. And then you mix that with like preservative agents and delivery agents that, that enable that, uh, that fluid to like, be incorporated into your body and then you inject Mm. it into the body. And so the body sees the corpses and it responds the same way. It's like, you're not supposed to be here. We need to get rid of you. And we need, we're going to take your, take your ass down to the lymph node and get you ID'd so that we can develop some antibodies for you. But the body now has a major advantage in this process because it doesn't need to compete with an actively replicating virus. It's bringing in corpses, right? And so this makes it a lot easier for the body to develop this process without having to also juggle keeping that viral population down throughout the rest of the body. This is a really efficient way to develop antibodies. You don't get sick. You don't get other people sick. It's free. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, there's literally no reason not to get it if you are a healthy individual who's not allergic to eggs. Like, 
Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Also, that is why they will ask you. If That's you why are they ask you to X. And if you are, there are alternatives of, of, of the vaccine that are not developed using eggs. They're developed using like cell-based mm. therapies or they'll like grow it in bugs sometimes. They'll grow the virus for a bunch of generations in bugs and then do a really similar process. There's alternatives, but this egg-based method is pretty pretty freaking efficient. So it's good for the smart, vast majority low of the population. Low so cost. smart. Eggs are one cell. Yeah. Well, it's so cool to think about. One cell. Yeah. Well, there are many cells, but they're all identical genetically. No, they're one cell. No, they're not. Are they really? Yeah. yeah. That's why what? Smart. There's a giant cell, and then you can yeah, yeah. That's oh also my why. Gosh. I, <laughs> that's also why like the biggest cell in the human body is the egg cell, and I mean in the female's body, I guess, because men don't do it. But uh, them cells, them eggs. That the one big, I did know. The big eggs. Also think. Dem think eggs. about it. Yeah. Big Think eggs. about ostrich eggs. Giant cell. Oh, yeah. It's smart, that's man. That's it's insane. super smart. And sometimes, sadly, um, this is all made out of like a prediction that is made about what flu will probably dominate that year's flu season. So they do mm-hmm. it like half a year in advance, like check out the other, like the, the, um, like the northern, he- no, like the southern he- hemisphere. Yeah, they'll then, take like, data from like all over the place. <laughs> And yeah. so I actually, I actually read about this. Yeah, Som- sometimes, sometimes they uh, they do it wrong or they they do not hit the correct uh, influenza type that will be dominated that year. Uh, that happened some years ago, and I mean, like it happens. Still got a good vaccination. It's all good, but a lot more people got sick that year. Mhm, mhm. So the way that they, they do this actually, because I thought it was just like we statistically look at what was prevalent in the southern hemisphere and then just use mm. that, but it's actually more complicated. There's actually like an entire elaborate like there. There's a whole network of flu, what are called flu surveillance centers, all over the world, all over the world. So they they have one in Tokyo and Australia, and they have two in the U.S. because ugh, we're the U.S. Right? They have one in Tennessee and they have another one USA, in uh, USA. They have another one in uh, in in Georgia, I think. So so they have a cup. They have these centers all over the world. And what happens is the World Health Organization will take uh, samples of the virus from different parts of the world, like including including the the opposing hemisphere, and then they'll just put together this little like virus care package, <laughs> and they'll ship these out to the virus uh, to the flu surveillance centers. And then the flu surveillance center spends a great deal of time doing a bunch of studies and, and genetic sequencing and all sorts of stuff on these on this like <laughs> these viral strains that they got from the World Health Organization. And then they have a big conference. So everyone gets together and this happens twice a year, once for the Northern Hemisphere and once for the Southern Hemisphere. And six months ahead of when flu season is about to hit, they'll all get together and a bunch of scientists will be like, well, we did such and such and such test and we are most intimidated by this virus. So we highly recommend you incorporate this viral strain into your vaccine. And so they have this big presentation and discussion about what they learned about the new viral strains. But there is no requirement. There is no conclusion from this. There's strong recommendations based on what was found. But then every country is free to make a decision about what viral strains go into the vaccine. So, so when when the vaccine doesn't work, it's on that country. Like that whole country, like the scientists who were putting Denmark. together the vaccine. Everyone went to the same conference. Where'd you fall short, <laughs> Philip? Yeah. But that's how that works. So for the Northern Hemisphere, we have this big, big conference in February. 
And for the Southern Hemisphere, this big, big conference happens in September. So this happened just last month. It was a big, big conference. And right now, as we speak, the Southern Hemisphere is assembling their vaccine for the following year, for the following flu season. Just love science, man. Just love science. It's just amazing. Did you get your flu questions answered today, Caroline? I think I did, man. You got a little more than you asked for. You did. And you also got <laughs> weird Danish traditions. Yeah. Brutally assault people with the spice cabinet. Do that. What can you use, like, an elevated body temperature for? Heating. Heating. You're just a walking incubator. Face it. Yeah. A virus sees you and you're just a walking incubator. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but, uh... But yep. I was just thinking about going to Denmark when you turn 25. Be prepared. If you have I'm already there. 25. It's so 30. now if I'm not 30. married by 30... It's 30. I'll have Do we to know avoid. anyone who's turning 25? No. I so. I want to be that weird foreign person who's like... The weird foreign person who's just like, yeah, cinnamon! <laughs> cinnamon time! Ooh. Cinnamon time! Yeah. Sometimes they'll also make people wet before, so it sticks better. I saw that. They would get, like, a bucket of water on their head, and then they would mm. just, like, dump a bucket of cinnamon over them. And some friends were nice, and they would, like, kidnap their friend. Yeah, so considerate. They'll, like, kidnap their friend. And then they'll, like, dress them in, like, PPE, basically. <laughs> and then they'll brutalize them with spices. Which is, I guess, you know, a little bit better than, like... I don't know. Cinnamon, a lot of cinnamon can kind of assault the senses a bit. Yeah, but, like, imagine pepper. Like, I would actually prefer cinnamon. I think, even with the fire risk. Is pepper flammable? Maybe moderately. Yeah. But is pepper... Pepper is organic, right? It comes from, like, a little Mm. bean. Yeah. I saw... I saw... Wait, what was... I think this was in in our lab group chat, but someone posted a video of this guy who was pissed because he found non GMO salt in the store. But salt is not organic like it's a mineral like it you can't that's there's not gmo salt you can't gmo salt like anyway miscommunication lack of education yeah. lack of scientific communication is profound <laughs> there are no that's g's like g to, to m. the m yeah i think the guy said like salt is not an o it has no g's to m <laughs> all right we need to close up this episode before we keep getting off track with yeah spice cabinets and we do have talked a great deal about spices today. Spices and eggs. So if you're hungry, spices go get eggs. a snack. Yeah. We record podcasts every week to keep you informed about the landscape of global health as it relates to antimicrobial resistance and community health. You can keep up with us wherever you get your podcasts. We also hang out every Tuesday over Zoom because we're still socially distancing. So if you want to get in on that, you can drop us an email at armor at colorado.edu. You can also email us or DM us. For that link, if you find us on social media, we are at CU underscore armor on Twitter and Instagram. If you aren't part of the Boulder community and you recognize that your community has unique needs, you should start your own chapter of armor. You can visit our website to learn more about how to do that at arclabs.org slash armor. And with that, we're out. We need to track down someone who's turning 25 so we can throw cinnamon in their face. <laughs>